you would use us today. Lord John the Baptist said, you must increase and I must decrease. And Lord, I pray, Lord, today that in our lives, God, in every every aspiration we have, God, every goal that we have, Lord, we frame it around you increasing and us decreasing. Lord, even Jesus in the garden said, not my will, but your will be done. And Lord, we're asking today, Lord, as we've sung our I pray from our hearts this morning. We've worshiped you, Lord. We've, we've given of, uh, of our voice today, Lord God, but that we would truly surrender to you in all aspects of our lives, God. Yes, we thank you for the opportunity of coming today and being with one another, Lord, but we want to exalt you in this place today. Hallelujah. Be lifted upon our praise, Lord God. Dwell with us today as we lift up your name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before you're seated this morning, if you would greet one another and just fellowship in the presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah. All right. Yes, it's so good to be with you. I, honestly, like a lot of times on a Sunday, I'll see somebody I want to get to, but by the end of service, you guys take off like a shot. Or I'm just busy with other things. So it's good to get out and see you and talk to you this morning. Uh, we want to welcome you. If, if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, uh, you'll find this card in your seat pocket in front of you. If you will fill that out and return it uh, in the lobby to the uh, concierge desk, they'll give you a, a bag of goodies and uh, just our way of saying thank you for being with us this morning. So uh, you'll, you'll notice some empty spots today. The youth are away at a, a retreat this, this weekend and freezing cold, I know. Uh, they went skiing and sledding and all kinds of things. So we're looking forward to having them back today and hearing more about their weekend, praying that they had a move of God in their services that they had. Because uh, we can have all the fun and games, but unless we're filled with the Spirit and getting God's Word, that's where the that's where the treasure is. So this morning we want to wait on you for your morning tithe and offering us unto the Lord. And I'll ask the ushers to prepare as we pray now. God, we ask God that you would uh, just take this offering, Lord. We, we've sung to you this morning, Lord. We've done all of these things in your name. And today, Lord, we want to extend our worship in giving. And Lord, we just pray that you would use it, Lord God, that you would discipline us enough, Lord God. And 
Lord, we'll see you do miraculous through the 90% that you will allow us to, to keep and hold on to, Lord God. But we know that you can do so much. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless each one and, and each giver today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. speed with some announcements. Uh, you have them in your bulletin. I hope you got one this morning. This Saturday, we've got a couple of events, <clears throat> um, and they both start at the same time, 9 a.m. We have the Lego Derby for boys and girls this Saturday, 9 a.m., as well as the ladies' breakfast at 9 a.m. And then also <clears throat> on the 15th of this month is Chick-fil-A night, and that's a chance for you to support um, not only the Christian business of Chick-fil-A, but also our youth, our power line, uh, praise youth, excuse me, almost went back to the old name. A reminder too, we've got our annual church business meeting, which is the last Sunday of this month, immediately following the morning service. And then one month from today is our missions convention, March 5th. And we have Dwayne Danielson coming to us. He's been a missionary in Bangladesh for many years and now is over several uh, Central Asian countries like Bangladesh and Sri Lanka uh, and the Maldives. And so we'll be getting an interesting report from him, I'm sure. So I hope you'll be with us. Also, concerning the missions convention is the nighttime meeting where you bring food. Okay, I just begin to plan that meal now. Uh, I've been thinking about it. Uh, I can go, my mother was Irish descent. I can go that direction, which I've done the last couple of years or I can do the Italian thing, which I haven't done in a long time. And I'm really, I really want to do it. Um, it's a lot of work. And I'll just give you a heads up on that one. And, and again, some are going to go, oh, but, I, you know, usually you empty the first dish immediately. Stuff squid. Stuff squid. Man. It is so good. And you're all going to, oh, but I'll tell you, that, that, that dish goes really quick. And the other thing might be some brujol. And if you don't know what that is, Google it. Um, 
This morning, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. I want you to look there with me. Matthew 20, verse 20. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked him a favor. What is it you want? He asked. And she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right, and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my father. And when the 10, the other 10 disciples heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father God, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would bring these verses to life. Lord, I thank you that your word is life, but Lord, I pray that, you'd, that your anointing would touch us in such a way that, that when, when this is all said and done, God, that we would be more ready to be what you want us to be. Lord, that we would leave here differently than when we first came in. We ask for your anointing. We pray for you to speak to our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, today is the, the fourth session of our spiritual emphasis for this year. We began second week of January. And thus far, we've covered the, 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 the importance of connecting, that is, of regular fellowship with other believers. We've learned about worshiping a couple of weeks ago. We learned last week about growing and how that is to be a natural process. It's intentional, but it's natural. Healthy things tend to grow. And now this morning, we're going to take a look at number four, which is serving. Serving should be part of every Christian's life. And, and let me say that this topic is, is, is truly very, very unique in comparison to the other topics that we've studied thus far. And the reason that I say this is because serving is truly a ubiquitous part of life. I mean, it's all around us. It's found practically everywhere in everyday life. And then when we look to the scriptures, we find that not only is it spoken about, but it's also exemplified and best so by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's absolutely amazing to me just how prevalent service is in all that we do and all that we experience in everyday life. I mean, for example, we're served whenever we're involved in retail. We go into a department store. There's someone there to serve us. We're served when we go out to eat at a restaurant. We're served by those who cut our hair, who cut our lawns, the person who delivers our mail. And granted, they all receive remuneration for what they do, but they are still in the business of serving. Amen? And if they fail at serving, then when we can, we're, gonna, we're likely to go somewhere else. Another type of service is when we serve those whom we love, those who are under our care. I mean, parents have to serve their children, don't they? Not as slaves, although it can feel like that at times. But we serve them because they cannot do everything for themselves. They sometimes need our assistance. And likewise, adult children sometimes have to serve their aging parents. And spouses are, are to serve one another. And so basically, serving others, you see, is part of everyone's daily existence. It's something that we all have to do. And whether it's paid or it's volunteer, we're involved in serving someone else. However, one of the things that has done a great disservice to the concept of service is that we in the church world have probably over-spiritualized it all. In other words, we've tended to imagine that only the highly qualified can serve in a position of ministry. And I want to dispel that myth right now, you know, because the word for ministry or minister in the Greek New Testament language simply means one who serves. A minister is one who serves. To minister in the New Testament Bible is to serve. It's the same word. And so, and so but today we expect ministers to minister 
And certainly we will let deacons do the deaking. But yet the truth is that anyone can be a servant. Amen? Anyone can be a servant. It's rarely an issue of ability. It's rarely an issue of, of how much training. More often it's an issue of availability and commitment. Because there has to be a willingness to serve. And you see, this is the message of the passage that we just read. You see, the disciples had the same misconception that many Christians do today. People so often today imagine that position means privilege. And certainly we see that in the world where they lord it over others. They take that position. They lord it over others. They take advantage of others. A lot of people believe and they live by that. That position means privilege, when in fact, the truth is that position should mean responsibility. And it should include the requirement of serving others. Now, not to get political, but wouldn't it be great if our politicians understood that? That we've elected them to a position in order to serve us, not to lord it over us, not to dictate to us, but to serve us. And, you know, there was a time when and someone, you know, someone aspired to a political position, they would talk of it as being public service. And it appears to me here in this passage, disciples, they might have been taking their cue from their observation of the Pharisees and Sadducees of their day. Now, a few weeks ago, I had mentioned that five of the basic needs of mankind were significance, support, Stability, stimulation, and self-expression. Those are five of the basic needs of mankind. Again, significance, support, stability, stimulation, and self-expression. We all, we all want that. And when we are properly involved in serving others, we experience direct fulfillment in at least three of those five areas. When we serve, that's when we find significance. When, when, when we serve, we receive stimulation. When we serve others, we are then afforded self-expression by giving ourselves to them. And then beyond those three, the other two, indirectly, in the very act of serving, we also provide support and stability. All five of the things that we so desire, we receive by giving. And, and here's, what, here's what I'm beginning to think. This is the conclusion that I arrive at as I connect these dots. A truly healthy person is one who's involved in serving others. I really believe this. In order to be a whole person, we have got to be giving to someone else. You know, if not, the best analogy I can think of, if not, we become like the Dead Sea. Eastern Israel. When everything's always flowing in our direction. And we never give out. And there's no outlet. There's no outflow. There's there's no overflow of our resources. We become toxic. And we become toxic because we are one way in our thinking. We're one way in our doing. And it becomes all about me. And it becomes all about us. And of course, we all like to receive. But I'm telling you, we were meant to give. And there are plenty of scripture references that tell us this. Jesus himself told us, freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give, right? Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. He said, to he who has much, much is required. He said, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, yet overflowing. And he said, as I have done unto you, do unto others. Jesus said those things. And not only did he speak these words, but he modeled this for us. The King of Kings, the Almighty Savior, the God of the entire universe, took on human flesh in order to serve us in offering his own life as a sacrifice for our sins. We read about it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Look at this, Philippians 2, 5. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Our attitude should be just like his. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, he lived exactly what he preached. Now, we know that. Jesus was not the least bit hypocritical. He said, if you want to be the greatest, then you need to become the servant of all. And he served all of mankind, taking the very nature of a servant, laying down his life for us. And then looking back at the last verse we read from Matthew's gospel, we, we, we began with this this morning in verse 28. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus has set the standard for us. He's shown us what the Christian walk is all about. It's about serving others. And I can only hope that each one of you today would understand the Christian life is one of participation. It's not just that of being a spectator. Now, of course, there's a time, there's a place where we have to watch and learn. It's a chronological reality. But we can't stay there. I mean, children, children first learn by watching. And boy, we know they watch. More is caught than taught, Dr. James Dobson used to say. New spiritual babies are the same. New converts to Christianity learn by observing. I learned how to pray by watching others pray when I first became a Christian. I learned what a good Bible study technique would be by watching other Christians. But we can't stay there. Because you see, we're, we're not designed, we're not created, we're not saved to just sit. We're not saved to sit and watch. After that first step of watching and observing, the next best thing to do in order to learn is by doing. There really is nothing like hands-on learning, amen? Have you ever watched the face of a youngster who finally masters some developmental hurdle or a challenging skill? I mean, they finally win. You can see it in their smile, can't you? I mean, they love it. They're so excited. They're, well, they're kind of, they're pleased with themselves, but they're like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And they're wild. They're overwhelmed. You can see the brightness in their eyes when they try something and they succeed. And what makes that moment even more remarkable is when we contrast it against the several episodes of frustration that preceded it. They tried and failed, tried and failed. Finally, they try and they succeed. That first moment of success makes it all the more sweeter. Well, I don't believe that children are ever supposed to outgrow this. And I happen to know that all of you are just big kids. As we leave the teenage years and pass through college and into our vocation, I don't believe that we are supposed to ever find a place where we slip into complacency. Really, where we go into some deep rut as we get older. And yet I've observed that some Christians do. I mean, they lose focus of the joy and their source of real significance. And we all deep down inside, I'm telling you, we all desire significance. And I'm not talking about fame. I'm not talking about notoriety. I'm talking about significance. You know, I'm, I'm not famous. I'm not well known. But I would hope, and I do believe that I'm significant to my significant other. <laughs> And my kids and my grandkids, and maybe to some of you, I'm significant. Basically knowing that what I do matters, who I am matters. That something mattered to someone else, to others. Something that I do, something I do on a regular basis is important to someone else and ultimately to Christ. And please don't ever think that your actions and your service don't have an impact. And I, I know that's the downside to serving. You know, you may be involved in boys' ministry through rangers. You may be involved in girls' ministries. You may be helping to teach a life group, which is basically a fancy name for Sunday school. I mean, you may be involved in all these. And you kind of wonder some days, am I even making a difference in these children's lives? And you may never know for a long time. But I want you to know something. You definitely are. You don't have to have the feedback. We want the feedback. But you don't have to have the feedback. Trust me on this. I want to share a story with you that most of you heard. It's pretty old now. It's been around the block a few times. It's called The Star Thrower by Lauren Isley. And here's how it goes. 
It says, once upon a time, there was a wise man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach before he began his work. And one day as he was walking along the shore, he looked down the beach and he, he saw a human figure moving like a dancer. He smiled to himself at the thought of someone who had danced to the day. And so he walked faster to catch up. And as he got closer, he noticed that the figure was that of a young man and that what he was doing was not dancing at all. The young man was reaching down to the sand, picking up small objects and throwing them out into the ocean. He claimed, came closer still to the young man. And he called out, good morning. May I ask what it is that you're doing? And the young man paused and he looked up and he replied, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. Well, I must ask then, why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? Asked the somewhat startled wise man. And to this, the young man replied, the sun is up. Tide is going out. If I don't throw them in, they'll die. And upon hearing this, the wide man commented. He said, but young man, do you realize, do you not realize that there are miles and miles of beach and there are starfish all along every mile? You can't possibly make a difference. And at this, the young man bent down, picked up yet another starfish and threw it into the ocean. As it met the water, he said to the man, it made a difference to that one. And you know, as I previously mentioned, it's not about ability, it's about our availability. It's a willingness to give of ourselves to others. And let me talk to you about this, you know, let me just candidly just share with you this morning, because I believe that the number one reason that more people don't get involved in an area of service that is giving of their others, I think the number one reason is fear. Bottom line, I mean, I believe the fear keeps people away from serving much more often than, say, a busy schedule. And I can say that because I, I, know, I know plenty of people in this church of ours who are super busy, over their heads with being busy, and yet they will jump in and serve if they're asked. So I, I don't see that as a disqualifier. And of course, you've all heard the old axiom, if you want something done well and you want it done quickly, give it to a busy person. Really, they'll get it done. But fear, on the other hand, and, and it can be a fear of the unknown. It can be a fear of failure. You know, that's what holds people back. You know, what if I try to get involved and I don't do a good job? What if people get upset with me because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, you, maybe those are some of your objections because we do have places for you to be involved here. We have places that you can serve here. And you may be wondering, you know, again, what if I fail? What if I don't do a good job? What if I don't meet their expectations? Let me just tell you this, okay? First of all, we rarely fire volunteers here at Praise Assembly. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying I don't think it's happened yet. And also, you know what? Concerning that fear, you need to just accept the fact that most of life is OJT, on-the-job training, isn't it? Most of life is on-the-job training. You know, we haven't, you know, we haven't been to tomorrow yet. Tomorrow's going to have new challenges, going to have new opportunities. And, we're, you know, some things may have prepared us for that. But I just know, I just know based on my experience that sometimes tomorrow has an element in it that I'm not ready for. And that's life, on-the-job training. How many of you went to school to be trained as a parent? I mean, I'm not talking about Lamaze childbirthing classes, okay? Those are, the, believe it or not, those are easy. Do they do those anymore? There isn't a college in the world. And by the way, if you fact check that statement, what I'm going to say, if you fact check that, let me know later, okay? But I don't think, I don't believe there's a college in the world that offers a major in parenting, 45 to 60 credits on how to raise kids. We've all learned the same way, by jumping in, and learning as we go. And mistakes were made along the way, right? No doubt. Not one amen. Wow, you're a proud bunch today. I mean, and there were some victories, right? Okay, at least you're even. I was waiting, I was waiting for a bunch of you to say amen. I'm like, wow. But you know, now, speaking for myself and some of you, now we're grandparents and we get to show our kids how it's supposed to be done. Because we've learned. We've been to the school. And isn't that the perfect illustration? And you know what, too? It goes all the way up to the presidency of the United States. Do you understand? We have never had a president in our history who is prepared to be president. 
There are no courses taught anywhere on how to be a president. That job is all on the job training. There's absolutely no way to get trained in proficiency in the position of president of the United States. So don't be afraid to jump into ministry of some, of some kind in this church body and even trying something new in the way of a new ministry from the ground up. And if you make mistakes, you know what? No one will probably even notice the first time. But, you know, I got, I've got a, I, I, I'm sure I've shared the story before, but, but I, I, had a, I had a situation. It was, this is 34 years ago. And I, had, um, I was brand new at my last church in New Jersey. And about a year had gone by, and I thought, I want to take my men to a men's conference, men's convention. So I called the district office because I didn't see it on the calendar. I said, when is the men's convention? They said, we don't have a men's convention. I said, who's your men's director? We don't have a men's director. We don't have a men's department. And I remembered how in Massachusetts, pastoring a rather small church, it, it was a highlight for our guys to get together with hundreds of other men and, and worship with them and hear some really good teaching and that sort of thing. And I, and I thought, you know, man, I want that here. So I called the district leadership back after a couple of days and I said, would you mind if I hosted a men's convention? I'll hold it at my church. There won't be any expense to the district. I'll bring in a speaker. We'll, we'll have food for the guys when they're there, all that kind of thing. And at first, the district, they were a little reluctant. But with enough nagging, I got permission. And I've got to admit to you, the venture, this venture of mine had everything to do with availability and nothing to do with my ability. I had never done a men's convention before. I, I just sat and tried to imagine all the various components. But I'd never done this. But I moved forward based solely on a willingness and a hunger and a desire to do it. And so that, that first convention went really well. I mean, a lot of people helped me. The men of my church were all involved. Um, a lot of people helped cover my mistakes, things I had missed. They filled in for where I had, I had missed something. And I, and I would have failed if it hadn't been for the Lord. But that first men's convention had about 300 to 400 men in attendance. And it was a success. And the men were hungry for more. So the, the next year, I, I, again, contacted a district office. And I said, look, you know, help me find a more central location because we were way down in South Jersey. I thought, let's move to the center of New Jersey. And we decided on East Brunswick, there was a good-sized facility there. And we began to make plans. And now, again, I wasn't proficient at running men's conventions yet. I've only done one. But in the second convention, God bailed me out. He honored, he honored the effort of my heart. So we're all set. Everybody's registered. The guys are showing up. And I'm about an hour from the first service. The attendance had doubled from the previous year. I was full of excitement. Until again, as I said, about an hour out from the actual start of the convention, I suddenly realized that I forgot a very important component of the meeting. I'd forgotten a plan for a worship team. I have a speaker, but no worship team. And the format for the convention is very similar to a church service. There's some, a time of worship and then an offering, and then the speaker comes. But I had no worship team, no worship, no music, no canned music. I had nothing. This was going to be really weird. Just here's our speaker, and he does this thing. And we're going to do this Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. But here's how God works. My speaker just happened to bring along with him a husband and wife worship team. God bailed me out. I mean, I've never been in such a tight spot. Now, we're not, we're not talking, we're not talking, you know, the Egyptians are coming and the Red Sea's here. We're not talking that, but I'm going to be really embarrassed. And everybody's going to know I messed up because that's not how men's conventions are done without worship. There's got to be some worship. Thank God he bailed me out. And so what I, I, I share that with you because I want you to believe as I do that God honors the heart. He's not looking for perfection. He knows we're frail. He knows we're limited. He knows we're imperfect. And you know what? There are scores of Bible references that actually state that reality. What God is always looking for is a willingness and, and thus far today, I've referred to it as availability. But God is looking for your willingness. Listen to this one simple verse. I, it says it so well. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. 
says, for if the willingness is there, then the gift, the thing you're offering, is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. For if the willingness is there, then the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I was limited in my ability, but it was still acceptable to God. And God, using Jesus Christ as an example of this, recorded some very important words for us in the book of Hebrews, 10th chapter. Look at this. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. God doesn't care about those things. Verse 7, then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, O God. See, God doesn't care about, he, he wants just your availability. He wants your willingness. He's not wowed by sacrifices. He's not wowed by offerings. He wants our willingness. Again, verse 8, Hebrews 10, verse 8. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. You are not pleased with them. God is not pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Verse 9, then he said, here I am. I've come to do your will. And in this, he sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What God wanted, what God the Father wanted, needed, and offered was the sacrifice, a willing sacrifice, of his own son for the salvation of our souls, for the forgiveness of our sins. It wasn't the, old, it wasn't the sacrifices of bulls and goats. You see, the sacrifices that he speaks about in Hebrews 10 had to be offered with precision and perfection. No deviation was permitted. And what we're being told here is that even in these supposed perfect sacrifices, there was nothing in them that made God truly pleased. What pleased the Father most was the obedience of the Son. In the Garden of Gethsemane that night, Jesus prayed, Father, if it, if it be possible, please let this cup pass, meaning his death. But he said, nevertheless, thy will be done, not mine. He's talking about willingness. Jesus, again, gives us a perfect example in himself. Now, I'm going to wrap this up in just a moment, but there's one more aspect I need to share with you about serving. Rick Warren, in his second book, Purpose Driven Church, his first book was Purpose Driven Life. Then he wrote one for pastors, The Purpose Driven Church. In that book, he says 40% of our church members have a desire to serve in a ministry but they, they've never been asked, and they don't know how. That's pretty sad, 40%. And I've already covered the part about you not knowing how. You don't need to know how. You need to be willing. I hope we establish that. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you need to be willing. If the willingness is there, then your gift is acceptable, and we can plug you in somewhere. And then to cover the other issue, I'm going to ask you to serve. In any ministry that we have in this church. I've been your pastor for almost 25 years now. And maybe on one other occasion, maybe I've asked you directly to serve. And I'm doing it today, if not. I'm asking you to serve. What can you do? Where's your willingness? What do you, what do you have to offer? Again, Rick Warren says that 40% of the people in this church want to serve, but don't know how, and they've never been asked. So consider yourself asked. We have many gifted servants in this church. We really have strong ministry. We have strong ministry. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. We had our staff meeting, and we just made a list of some of our strengths. And one of the strengths of Praise Assembly is that we have discipleship for every age. From birth all the way up. It used to be all the way up to 102 because Sister Sarah Rain was 102 before she went to be with Jesus. And now I'm not sure what the age is in the 90s, I guess, but we go all the way to 90s. And we can go all the way to 100 if you'll hang in there. <laughs> but we really do. And we've got good ministry. When, when our boys go up to the cabin for rangers, they're actually being mentored. They're actually being trained how to become young men, godly young men. 
And our girls' ministries is the same. It's the counterpart to, to what we're doing with the boys. It's mentoring. It isn't a babysitting service. It isn't something we're doing to please the Assemblies of God headquarters. We do it because we know that it's important. We've got great leadership. Our life groups are strong. Oh, by the way, there was an announcement here I didn't cover. Volunteers are needed for Wednesday night nursery once a month. Anybody, I don't know how to show hands, but anybody, see Lauren Nash, okay? So, we, you know, again, even that ministry is very strong, nursery and toddler ministry, but we still need help. And I'm thankful for everyone who serves in, in any of these diverse expressions of servants, servanthood. This is incredible. Pastor Hans, Pastor Brandon, Lucy Hale, myself, we couldn't do it all on our own. There's no way. That's why this can't be a specialty item. The body of Christ is always more than just the full-time paid staff of a church. And the effectiveness of this church is incumbent upon many people being involved in many things. And you're doing that. I'm not, I'm not, this is not a slight, guys. I'm commending you. And for those of you that are afraid of, I don't know what I can offer. Explore, ask around, see if you can be used in one of these ministries. And I pray that you'll find a place. One final passage as we close, and it's Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16. I think it'll help put all this in perspective. Paul wrote the Ephesian church, and he said, keep in mind as we, uh, uh, he says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So he's got these specific called ministry positions and they're there verse 12 in order to prepare God's people that's you for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up that is strengthened until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ goes a little further he says then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. For from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. My job The job of the pastoral staff of this church is to prepare you for works of service, for maturity, so that each one will do their part in love and thereby grow and be built up. You know, it is by giving that we receive. And we always, pastors love to preach that when it comes to finances, right? Tithing and generosity. But we can be generous with more than just our own finances, Be generous with ourselves, serving others, serving the body of Christ. This is one of those areas of our spiritual assessment that we've got to to do inventory. And I want us to do that now. I want you to stand with me. And I'm going to open these altars this morning, just for a brief period. And just maybe you'd like to come, change position, find a place to pray. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you really do want to have some added significance. Maybe you really do feel compelled. Like, I want to serve. I want to do something for God. I want to do something for His people. Well, just come and just seek Him this morning. I just want to have, us, to have this time together just to pray and to seek Him. And, I, I'm, and again, I'm so thankful for the many who are serving already. But you know, we can still use a few extra that'll help lighten the load. Just, just even if it's just something menial you don't have to be specifically trained but just, just something where, where you're an extra set of helping hands it could be just that extra person in the nursery in the toddler room maybe you could help prepare some of the, the hands on parts of a lesson for rangers or girls ministries but I want us to consider the opportunity this morning. So let's find a place to pray this morning, just just real quick. And let's begin to seek him. Lord, I just thank you, God. Father God, that you sent your son Jesus and he served 
He served as the perfect example of a servant. He didn't, he didn't consider his equality with you, Father, as something to be grasped. But Lord, he gave himself. He took on the very nature of a servant and he gave himself. He didn't come to be served, but he came into this world of ours to serve us. He served his own disciples around the table at the Last Supper. He broke the bread. He shared the cup with them. Knowing that one would betray him and another would deny him, yet he served them out of love. And Lord, I thank you, God, for all the servants in this church. All those who are actively serving in a ministry, Lord. I pray your blessing, Lord, in each one of them, God. Lord, there's no way they can be paid for what they do. Lord, thank you for what they do, God. I pray you would bless them, Lord. God, that, that, Lord, that you would just provide for them in some special way, even this week, Lord, that they would see, they would see your blessing in their life. And Lord, I pray for others who maybe have been afraid and have been holding back. Lord, I pray that today they'd be encouraged, that they'd be willing to go to a ranger leader or girls' ministries leader and say, hey, I, I, I want to be part of that. And I don't even know where to begin. Lord, I just thank you for the, for the blessings that we receive when we serve. Blessings of significance primarily. Self-expression, stability, support. Lord, we receive so much when we give to others. Give and it will be given. Yes, give and it will be given. Jesus has said that. And we believe it. Lord, I pray. Use us. Use us for your purpose. Help us to be vessels that you'll work through. Lord, that you'll pour yourself through for the sake of others. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand together. Father, I do pray, Lord, your blessing, Lord, that this message have an impact on every one of us, Lord. And Lord, I do pray again that you'd use us for your purpose and your glory. We thank you for your many blessings. Lord, speak to us, I pray, God, about what we've heard today, that we'd be doers of the word and not hearers only. And now, Lord, I, I release your people out into the world to serve. Bless them as they give. Bless your people today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you.